Holy Hell, Sweet Mary, Mother of Jesus. It is February, and we are finally back with a podcast. I think the last episode I did was in November, right before I had surgery. Now I've taken a little podcast sabbatical. Sabbatical. Um, welcome, everybody. Allison Crow. This is the Wild Edge of Being Human podcast. I'm doing a live video recording. I usually do one of two styles. I either do live video recording or I do truck episodes um, where I ramble while I'm driving. But today, the topic is, is it procrastination or is it parts? Um, I'm going to share a little updates and I'm just going to allow myself to be imperfect getting back into the routine of creating podcasts and videos, videos for YouTube, podcasts for my podcast listeners and on my webpage, there'll be the podcast audio and the video. We're going to really focusing on I'm doing a lot of video content in 2024. So welcome. I am. I always do better when you're in the room with me. I always feel better instead of just speaking to nobody, speaking to you. And I see a friend of mine who's already posted a comment on the Facebook Live, and I just want to say thank you. It's interesting, right? When we, I, I don't know what other people do, and I know some people are great at talking into a microphone with no connection out there. But my system and the way I work better is connected with you. When I teach classes, when I speak, um, when I speak, I I told this yesterday to um, TRS. I'm doing a workshop for TRS employees in a couple of weeks. And I told them, even when I speak live in person, Um, I don't like to be at the podium, having the podium separate you from me. I want us all to be connected together. So, Wild Edge of um, Being Human, you might notice a tiny little tweak in the title. I switched it to Wild Edges. I switched it to Wild Edges because there's not just one edge. Like, being human, as you already know, is wild. And it is all over the place. And it is unpredictable. And... How many edges do you have in your own human being? So I made that little adjustment. And I've also brought the wild edges of being human to my YouTube channel and to my website. It was important for me to, for my own personal sanity, I've had so many lessons, y'all. This, y'all know this last year was a lot of, um, the last two years, two and a half years, a lot of difficult good lessons, hard lessons, but a lot of lessons. And some of them are pretty humbling. Um, Yeah, some of them are really humbling. The way that I did the best that I could with things I didn't know. I never planned to be in business. And when I got left by my husband in 2003, I just jumped into and started running and I never stopped. In the last few years, I slowed down. I've been able to look at myself, ADD diagnosis, mind-blowing just because it shifts your perspective in the way that, you know, we live in a society that 
toxic individualism. And I'm all for taking responsibility, but some of you might be like me and you take too much responsibility. Right. And we need to like, oh, this is not your fault. Let's put this, you know, some things are math equations. And I recently found out, I don't know if I've told Facebook this or not. Um, I certainly haven't told my podcast, but I recently found out I ran my methylation profile um, with um, a doctor and I found out that my vitamin D receptors have a genetic mutation. I have a copy from both of my parents. So it's very likely that my entire life, while I think I've struggled from, quote, clinical depression, I actually, my body does not retain the benefits of vitamin D. And one of those is energy and dopamine. And so if you look up vitamin D deficiency and then you... It, comes up with dopamine deficiency and there's all these symptoms of depression. And when I saw that glaring red exputation on my genetic report, I was like, ah, oh. all along. That's why I fell asleep in second grade on, you know, I fell asleep in second grade in junior high and in high school and at my own retreats. That's why I fall asleep earlier than everybody else. Like I just have a different capacity. And I'm working with my doctors to adjust some of that, but it was fascinating because I had always seen that as something wrong with me. What is wrong with me? What is my personal responsibility that I can't break through this, right? I blamed it on my psyche, I guess. Um, anyway, so it was fascinating. I did have a grandbaby since I've seen you all or talked with you all or been in your ears, my sweet little grandbaby was born um, at the end of December. She's six weeks old as of this week. And um, I also turned 52 this week. I had my own birthday and I'm having a nice, slow, chill birthday. Some birthday years are big and celebratory and others are just, this one for me is a little bit more... Um, it's not even deep and reflective. Like part of me was trying to be deep and reflective and I just couldn't go there. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just relaxed into turning 52 and spending time with family and friends. And I did have plans to go out for a fabulous dinner with um, my husband for my birthday. And I canceled those plans and I put on my pajamas and I had chocolate cake for dinner. And I watched... Um, I don't know if y'all know this about me, but I love historical fiction shows like Bridgerton, The White Queen. I love that stuff. And I've seen it all and I started watching it all again. And I just, it's one of my little treats for myself. And that's what I did on my birthday. And I absolutely enjoyed it. And then tomorrow I am having a brunch with all of my family. And I'm at this place in life where, you know, my husband was asking me, what do I want? I just want to be with my family and friends. I wanted my little grandbaby to be able to come um, and meet my family. Um, my grandbaby is my bonus daughter, Samantha's child for her first child. And because she's only six weeks and Samantha's a new mother, it makes so much sense. She's not quite ready to bring her to large groups of people. So she won't get to meet my family quite yet, but that's exciting news. Um, my grandma name, because I know you all want to know, is Grandma Birdie. We have Grandpa Billy and Grandma Birdie. And the Birdie is just an homage to Crow and me entering these crone years. And I feel like a lot of the last few years, especially the last year, has been this transition season. It's also age of Aquarius. I'm not like super bound to um, astrology, but I'm just going to take ownership. But this, this is my age. 
this is my age of Aquarius. I'm Aquarius. Um, and this is my season. This is my season. So I have, I do the animal that I resonate and have for the last few years, but really do is the wise grandmother elephant. And so I've given myself slow permission to get back on my quote content creation. I love creating content for y'all. I've always loved creating content for y'all. And I've had some procrastination parts come up lately. And after I started feeling better after surgery and healing, um, I don't know. It was just really, it was really interesting because I'm not normally one to procrastinate. I'm not normally one to think about thinking. Y'all know I'm willing to jump out here and be imperfectly perfect and all those things. And I, I have in front of me like four different notebooks of topics and things I could do. And I have a to-do list of, you know, creating a, a web page for Camp Cultivate this year and, you know, a new intro for my YouTube channel and all the, I have all these plans and I was taking no action. And recently, I did do some parts work. So, I'm also post-hysterectomy. I did keep my ovaries um, and I'm working with my hormone doctor. But post-hysterectomy, I ended up with frozen shoulder, which is often correlated to, from my understanding, to lower estrogen. I do take um, estradiol, but I have um, frozen shoulder in one shoulder and then it's my other shoulder is, it's not frozen, but I, along with the frozen shoulder is a tightness and a stiffness in my shoulders I've never experienced before. And um, I'm working with my doctor and my chiropractors, but I'm also listening to my body. And so after a couple of weeks, frankly, of this procrastination, I, I sat down to do my practices as I normally do. And my shoulders were just aching, not the pain from the frozen shoulder, but the stiffness. And I decided to see if it was a part. And so I slowed down and I connected with myself and my body and I just checked in with my shoulders and I let them know I was aware of their tension. Hello, shoulders, I see you. Hello, tightness, stiffness, pain, I see you. What is it you want me to know? And my shoulders were both kind of clinical and matter of fact. <laughs> Um, about some possible logistical things, but they also shared with me their burdens. And they let me know of some of the responsibilities. What was really fun was um, a couple of days, like I did my own parts practice and, um, you know, where I check in with them, I have a conversation with them. And a couple of days after I did that, it had been a while since I pulled up my podcast to listen to. And there were two episodes on IFS in the body. And I had also just told my coach that I can tell that this season, like I've, I've really unburdened a couple of layers of parts and um, that my body is finally starting to speak to me. Um, in the last year, I have a very clear no, my body tells me no. And I have a very specific physical calm grounded physical reaction when I get no so that I don't have to like think yes or no I don't I'm like my body is starting to communicate her wisdom to me as I get to know her in that way 
anyway, so I checked in with my shoulders and they did mention responsibility. <laughs> and one of the things, and I love that Shanti Zimmerman, um, I don't know if you're still enrolling for your program, but Shanti is, has a year-long program. And y'all, I cannot recommend working with Shanti enough. And I can't remember the name of it, but I know that boundaries are a part of it. Emotional maturity is part of it. Being grounded, holding all this thing that is the wild edges of life. Shanti is an expert in and is one of my fellow beloveds on this journey with me. Um, but in the last year, a lot of my old identities and ways of being have fallen off or are falling off, or I have seen them for how they were coping mechanisms, um, a lot more unmasked. And, and for those that don't know, when you are late diagnosed neurodivergent, so neurodivergence is the all of us, right? But neurodivergent is your the way you're neurologically made is divergent from the norm. And one of the reasons women are often late diagnosed, especially if they're low support, um, which can mean a lot of things, but especially like not having glaring, obvious support needs, right? Um, being verbal, social. And one of the first things my psychiatrist said to me was like, um, but you're so verbal. And verbal is my, like, I'm not saying I'm clear or, you know, practice at that, but verbal is one of my gifts um, as far as making connections and spitting it out. You wouldn't know that from some of these podcasts. And um, the more we explored it, the more the the markers of autism also showed up. The more things made sense. Where was I going? I think I got vulnerable about sharing the neurodiversity, neurodivergence. Um, but yeah, I got I got nervous. I got vulnerable. Not vulnerable. I didn't get vulnerable. I'm not vulnerable right now. Like I totally just shut down. <laughs> I got nervous. Oh, the masking. So girls mask. And I have thought a lot about girls mask, but also my particular environment so much. So not just the neurodiversity stuff or neurodivergent stuff, but also my environment in a high demand religion school, my oldest childness. I don't really remember this pressure from my parents directly. Um, so mostly from school, but I oriented my identity as a little child uh, around being pleasing and being good, like being the identity of a good girl. I'm the good girl. I do things right. I do things well. I'm nice to people. I'm kind to people. I include everybody, all these things. And I did that at the expense of myself. Um, I also, for many years, looking back, realized how my entire identity was built to be pleasing to find a man. And um, I, I say, you know, I used to be wild and free. I'm not really wild and free. I grew up in chaos and trauma. <laughs> and um, that wasn't wild and free. That was chaos and trauma. And these days, I am much more... Um, systematic. I have systems. I have 
I used to make fun of my husband because he was always like, I have a system for that. And he was like, you need systems. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm wild and free and spontaneous. And y'all, I'm not spontaneous. That's just who I thought the world wanted me to be. And I have been looking at the layers of my overgiving, overfunctioning, my niceness, my, I know Brene Brown makes a distinction between nice and kind. And, um, I want to be a kind human, but not at my expense. I've also been looking at capitalism and how I think all of us can see out there in the own cost of our groceries and how shareholders are banking it in, but our own everyday costs are shooting through the roof. And I had to do a lot of deconstructing of capitalism to figure out how I wanted to, because I need to make money, um, how I wanted to participate in the coaching industry, in the sharing and exchanging of goods and services. And I came to um, through the help of a friend of mine that had mentioned that commerce existed before capitalism by hundreds and hundreds of years. And so that made me think about commerce instead of capitalism. And to me, capitalism involves exploitation. It's not just commerce. So I decided, oh, here's how I can be in business. Um, is I don't exploit myself. I don't exploit my audience or my clients. I don't exploit other people. I don't exploit the people that contract for me. And I do my best to not exploit the earth. And I will confess that I have a little bit of a, um, you know, I still rely on Amazon for some things. So in no way am I Mother Teresa about all these things, but I had to come to my own okayness with being in this world and being so bothered by um, toxic capitalism, which is causing mental health problems. This is not just a money or an economics or government thing. Well, it is a government thing, um, but it's, it's causing mental health problems. It's causing some of my own mental health problems. It's systemic. And when many of us girls, I can't speak for what boys are trying to be and do. I just, I can't, um, but I know that I took on as a little child, because I didn't know any better, the need to be good, the need to be um, right and kind and pleasing to everybody around me. And what got lost was my conscious awareness of what pleases me. And um, then being neurodivergent on top of that, we developed, many of y'all know that what led to my ADD diagnosis and then IFS, learning IFS, which brought me to IFS, and then autism diagnosis was um, rejection-sensitive dysphoria. And I didn't know what that was, but one day I went to Dr. Google and there on the Cleveland Clinic was a set of symptoms. It's not a diagnosis, but it's a set of symptoms. And I was like, oh, that sounds really familiar. And 100% of people with ADHD experience some level of RSD. Oh, isn't that interesting? And um, so that started me off on this path of realizing, and from my understanding, after studying RSD a little bit, I'm no PhD in it, but that it's genetic, <laughs> um, that it is also a, a 
a product of being different and being neurodivergent and being expected to fit in when you don't. And so your nervous system, it's not a cognitive thing, but your nervous system gets reactive to the obligation to be a certain way. And then once we experience that, there's the shame that comes on top of that. And so that is a very familiar internal feeling for me that I've only recently started sharing with you all. Um, and as I recognize these ways of being that I just always was, it causes burnout, big time burnout. And so this summer, honestly, y'all, I cried so much and I was like, why am I crying so much? And I realized that I was crying grief that I never allowed myself to feel. I cried pain that I never allowed myself to feel when I was a child. And it, it's not, it's not so much I was like, there was this big event and I never felt it. It's just that I always, you know, I always sucked it up and put on the happy face and tried to be pleasing. And I am now in the phase where I'm learning to not be pleasing to you. But that's hard for my body. My brain can say, what do I like? What do I not like? It was interesting. Um, I had the awareness the other day of, of meeting somebody. And instead of thinking, do I like and enjoy this person? I was thinking, do they like me? And that whole paradigm of do they like me was my world up until recently, subconsciously. And listen, biologically, our brains are always running neuroception, our nervous system, our autonomic nervous system is always running an unconscious, like, sonar out there, radar out there to, are we um, safe? Are we going to be alive? And are we going to be connected? And often safe and connected are two opposing things. And so I'm now cognitive, I have my thoughts, but they're now connected to my body. And this is relatively new for me to be having a physiological reaction and understand it cognitively because I used to have a physiological reaction and think something was wrong with me and try to talk myself in it. And that only caused more shame, shame and suffering. And so as I, you know, last year, I um, closed down my membership, kind of wish that I had just taken a sabbatical instead of closed it down, I'll be honest, but I also trust myself. Um, I took some time off from my business and I only worked with people one-on-one. -on -one. And so as I recovered from my surgery and all these things, I'm like, all right, it's time to come back to business. It's time to get back, you know, doing, not doing what we did before, but it's time to get back to it. And I've just kind of felt a little sheepish and a little, a, a little bit of this procrastination-ish and getting ready to get ready. So when I sat down and talked to it, my shoulders let me know that they were feeling responsibility and that they were feeling a little anxious about stepping back into positional leadership, about stepping back into social media, creating content, about into, um, into doing that. And um, I've promised them that I would go slow. I've promised um, the young parts of me that they don't have to do it. I'm doing some good internal work on my internal boundaries of my professional self and my personal self. I came to awareness um, I don't, sometime in the last three or four months. I was like, oh my God, I have so many, like I have a lot of wounds from business. I have a lot of relational wounds that, have come from being in business. I have lost clients. I have lost friends. 
I have some parts that are very confused. And then I realized, I was like, you know, you never planned to be in business. And when you got in business, you like, I was so grateful to learn marketing and selling and some of the things I did, but they told me in my very first sales classes, and frankly, in every sales class, they told me to use relationships, but no one ever modeled a compassionate way. They modeled a bitchy way. They like modeled um, like a, a cold way, but nobody ever modeled a warm way of separating business and life. And I'm not talking about privacy. I'm talking about boundaries. And I'm not talking about external boundaries as much as I am internal boundaries. And when I, at the most vulnerable, rejected time in my life, in 2003, when my first husband walked out the door on a Wednesday and said, I don't want to be married to you, it, my life had to take a different turn. I just gotten my real estate license and all of a sudden it was something I'm good at and I excelled in and I made money and I, I gained a measure of significance in this. And then I very quickly became a coach and very quickly got more recognition. And so the opposite of rejection sensitive dysphoria is also recognition, um, euphoria. There's a three-word title. I cannot remember what it is, but it is when we experience a euphoria from the recognition we get. And so for 20 years, I built unconsciously a business on both my skills. I'm not going to diminish my skills because I worked my ass off, practiced my ass off, study, continually learning, experimenting, sharing my heart, showing my work. But I built a business with the energy of that euphoric, the euphoria, the euphoria on recognition. And I had to take myself out of positional leadership and being told every day that I'm awesome by other people to recognize that. I remember my husband telling me one time, I don't know, probably seven or eight years ago, and he was a teacher. I guess it's been nine years since he retired. And he was like, you get told every day how awesome you are. And no one ever tells me. And I earlier this year, I was thinking back to, I was like, Allison, when was a time you felt most alive and most vibrant in your um in your being. And I was like, well, I always felt that when I played softball. Well, when I played softball, I was the team captain and the best on the team. What when else? When I played basketball, I was the team captain. I was all state. I was a superstar. I, you know, oh my. And so I'm like, oh my, oh my God. I always felt like this euphoria, this high, not from things like alcohol or drugs or sex, a little bit from shopping. <laughs> I still love that pottery barn. Um, sofa, I don't have it anymore, but that was fun. Um, from the recognition and acknowledgement. And I remember when I had a hypnosis style values assessment and that recognition was one of my core values. And what that means is like when I would feel recognition, I would feel really good. And so where I'm at now is really is it embarrassing? No, it's my truth. 
but seeing, oh, I built an unhealthy business on that. I, I missed having certain boundaries because of my euphoria around recognition. And um, now that I'm aware, I've adjusted my contracts. I've, um, you know, this is the other thing. I have a very, I have a very personable, human, friendly girl next door brand. And, um, you know, people say all the time, like, oh, I could be friends with you. Oh, I could be friends with you. And I never want anybody to feel rejected. And um, I realize that the coaching industry often has, you know, in therapy, they don't do dual relationships. But in coaching world, we all do dual relationships. And there's reasons that people don't do that. And so, um, a lot of the wounds that I have either caused or experienced were because of dual relationships. And I had to own that and look at it and um, figure out my genuine responsibility in that. And so, as I come back into work, I have parts that are procrastinating. And when I ask them, what are they protecting me from? What are you afraid would happen if we go live? What are you afraid would happen if we start our podcast again? What are you afraid would happen if we step back up into positional leadership? What if we um, create a community again and, and really start leading again? And my parts are scared of being hurt. And my parts are young and teenage and they are sitting on my shoulders and they are not ready to leave yet. But I am building a relationship with them and I am letting them know that they are not responsible to please any, they're not responsible to please my husband, they are not responsible to please any of my clients or my audience, um, and that I am there for them. And as I continue to work with those procrastination parts, like for today, I I chose so right now i'm technically in writing practice with two of my close not only um colleagues but friends and normally i would be on writing practice but i told them i've been procrastinating i've talked to my procrastinator parts and i am going to step into doing this in a safe way and so they will be waiting for me on the other side of this podcast episode um, to celebrate me for doing it. And my procrastination parts are not, they don't have any responsibility in this. And so they're able to sit and watch and be with me. And so it's a deeper relationship with myself. How do I go forward without exploiting myself and without shutting myself down? And as y'all know, my book, Unarmored, um, I came across a journal page where I wrote, you know, I am unarmored, but boundaries are my shield, not my coping devices. I don't want my coping devices to be my shield because it hurts my shoulders. <laughs> I don't want my coping devices to be my shield. So I'm stepping slowly, gracefully, gracefully probably not much grace. I have grace with myself, self-compassionately um, moving forward. I'm going to trust my own rhythms. I'm going to even trust when I'm procrastinating, but I am here and I am glad to be connecting with you all. I'm so thankful for the faces that are showing up live. Um, I do better when we're in the room together. 
and I am honoring my parts. Um, I'm honoring their need for safety and they are safe with me. And I, I will figure out in the same way, 20 years ago, I figured out how to keep that house and those dogs and build a business when I had never considered running a business. I'm, I'm not done. I may have needed a very long pause and have, and, and had to go through some things, but I am able to take the next step and work with the next person and be with myself uh, going forward. And so today is my imperfect step back into podcasting and making videos, another place of being in the wild edges of being human. And for those of you watching or listening, I just want to remind you that sometimes it is wobbly being human. And we can all have shame parts because society developed those shame parts. They use shame, blame, and guilt, as my friend Shanti says. They use shame to force you into behavior that serves them. And it is possible to lead yourself and all your parts without being, as we call it, ego-led, right? We don't have to be selfish, we can be self-led and being self-led, I give myself permission to not exploit myself, including not exploiting others um, and moving forward. I give myself permission to be, do and have what I want to do instead of just making about serving everybody else. Um, which means there may be more people who are disappointed in me and my parts are learning that I can't control other people being disappointed in me. I can't control other people trying to use me. I can't control other people taking me for granted or for leaving me. I can never do those things to my parts. I will never leave my parts. I will never um, shame my parts. I will never manipulate my parts. I will never abuse my parts. And the more that my parts and I have that relationship, the more they somatically release and rest in my body. This is not a cognitive change. As many of you know, the cognitive clicks really easy. It makes perfect sense. But if it is not connected to the safety in our own body, we will still have these, quote, issues come up over and over again. So um, is it procrastination or is it parts? And I personally believe that all procrastination is a part that needs some loving attention. And so here I am both procrastinating and with parts that aren't completely unburdened and relaxed, but they're relaxed enough because I spent time with them and got curious. I connected with them instead of trying to control them. And I was able to be with you today. So thank you for watching, for listening. Um, let me know, let me let you know what's on the horizon. So I will have um, my event. I have nine spaces left in that event. My event is starts the evening of May 5th through 9th. I don't have a page up yet, but I will. Um, you'll want to be on my email list to be sure you get that so that you can grab your ticket and book your rooms. Um, I will have payment plans for that to make it easy for you. Um, and then I also have a couple spots on my one-on-one -on -one roster. And then I do have some people like nudging me. Are you going to create community again? Are you going to create community again? And my parts aren't quite ready to do that. I can feel my shoulders activate. But I am putting that in my compassion 
cosmic crock pot to simmer. Um, and I'm working with those parts that are feeling a little um, shy around actually leading community. Um, I'll keep you posted on that. Um, thanks for being here today. Share with a friend. If it resonated with you, let me know if it resonated with you. Um, just because I, at one point, was unhealthy in recognition, I still am able to love and appreciate your recognition from a healthy place. <laughs> Peace out.